Welcome to Nature Knows, conversations with wild warriors and changemakers. I'm your host, Jen Vitanzo, and this podcast is all about nature, both the wild kind outside our front doors and the humankind written within our DNA. Each episode showcases an individual who has dedicated their efforts to create a better today to ensure we have an actual tomorrow, and they are using their unique creative fingerprints to do it. From PhD students to Grammy winners, community organizers to outdoor educators, engineers to multimedia artists, these are the wild warriors and change makers constructing the bridges necessary to connect us all, human to human, species to species, worlds to worlds. It's in our nature to want a sense of purpose. If you haven't already found it, maybe this crew of amazing individuals will inspire you to find yours. I'm telling you this not because you're going to like it, but because you need to hear it. That's the recurring theme in this week's podcast that features the inimitable musical powerhouse Victor Wooten. Wooten is a five-time Grammy-winning bassist extraordinaire who also happens to be an extraordinary human being. He's a teacher, he's an author, he's a naturalist, he's a mentor, and he's a visionary who understands the importance of each individual life, of the natural world and our role in protecting it, and of taking responsibility for our actions. If the world were to follow you today, where would you lead them? If you are Victor Wooten, you're leading them in the direction of love, of self, of each other, and of the planet. And I'm so excited to talk to him today. Hello, hello. Hello. It's so nice to see you. Same here. It's great to see you, too. Are you in Nashville right now? I am. Nice. Yeah. And how is everything going? Well, for me and my family, it's going well. Um, you know, Nashville is, has kind of hit another high, high peak. Right. Higher than before, but it's starting to slowly come down. Good stuff. But, yeah, people are... are uh, a lot of people are just acting freely, you know. <laughs> but I was thinking the other day, I mean, I know there's obviously clear, clear, terrible things that have to do with this. But in a strange way, I also feel like it's been an amazing reset. Absolutely. You know, and uh, for so many ways. I mean, for people in general, who we've gotten so used to constantly running around and, and filling every second of every day and disconnecting. I think... Even with social media, we've disconnected so much with with one-on-one -on -one interaction. Even like this, I mean, it's sure. obviously, but it's not the same. It's not the same as being there present. And we're so busy all the time that I think we've lost sight of so many small little details and like the the, the stuff that kind of really matters. I don't know, this is my pontificating, but the stuff that really matters, you know, like the little things, the, you know, being outside and just spending time with your family or... Sure noticing the birds and i think that's what's been amazing about so much of this coming back is that yeah. you hear because you don't hear as many cars so you're hearing birds you're hearing frogs you're you're i don't know it's everybody's sort of taking a big collective breath and so sure. is the planet <laughs> sure and it's uh, it's that's the way life works right you know the leaves fall off the trees every year and they exactly. can't grow back and, and until they do and and i'm agreeing with you this is necessary yeah yeah, I mean, the, the planet needs it. We need it. Uh, America definitely needs it. You know, we need a strong look at ourselves. Yeah. Um, so that we can, you know, deal with some things we've been sweeping under the rug a long time. And I yeah. think that starts with us as individuals. We have to look at ourselves and deal with things that have been swept under the rug. 
Right. I mean, I think that's always been an issue of it's, you know, we can, we can put all the laws we want in place, but if we're not working on hearts and minds, all yeah. we're doing is forcing people to do something they don't want to do. And that doesn't, all that ends up doing is breeding resentment. And, yeah. you know, if you haven't dealt with the whole underlying issue of how somebody sees somebody or how sure. somebody sees something, you, mm-hmm. you don't fix the problem. You put a bandaid on, you know, a yeah. cut to the jugular. And we should, you know, anytime you have to make a law, you need to look at the reasons you have to make it in the first place. Yeah, that's another. And we're so happy we made a law, but the law doesn't deal with the reasons behind the necessity of a law. Right. Right. If there's a law that stops me from killing someone or stops me from stealing your mail or stops me from whatever it is, why do we need that kind of law? Right. In, in the first place. What are the conditions present that are creating right. that kind of environment that we feel exactly. like we need to? Exactly. I, re- I remember hearing, I can't remember where I heard it, but it was long ago, long ago. They say you can judge society by the laws they make. And it makes a lot of sense. Right. You know, there's so many common sense things that there shouldn't have to be a law for. Yeah. Well, you'd, you'd like to think it's common courtesy. It's just simple love thy neighbor, society a working society you'd think that it would just be inherent you know it, yeah wh- why would these be issues why do we need to tell someone they can't do that <laughs> and yet and yet here we are <laughs> here we are yeah here we are oh man uh, yeah right. that, a reset chance a chance to reset yeah and and i think uh, you know I, you know in an amazing way and i don't know if you've seen this i have seen so many younger kids you know teenagers college kids who've really taken up the mantle of this and and embraced it and said we're gonna you guys screwed all this stuff up we're gonna we're gonna fix it we're gonna step in and we are taking over because i don't Mm. know what you guys have been doing (laughs) but it's not a very good job (laughs) thank goodness for them right right and i mean they are I wonder, I, I sit back and I, I don't know, maybe you were like this, but I'm thinking like when I was 16, was I like that? And I'd like to believe that I was, but I have no idea. And, uh, but there, you know, I've seen in the town that I'm in, they, we have every weekend, there are teenagers from the high school that do Black Lives Matter protests and sure. they are just out there and they are engaging and they are, you know, they, they care. And I think that's what's in terms of a major reset and, you know, I'd love to hear what your perspective is, but I feel like that's what I think with the U.S. in general, I think it's a global thing, but in U.S. in particular, that sort of disconnect and, and sort of a, an overall sense of entitlement that everything's fine and everything's great here and we're wonderful and we just don't, we keep sweeping under the rug so many problems that we're just, you know, we don't do that here, we don't do that here. And it's almost like we've become our own worst and best PR machine putting up the smoke and mirrors and, you know, yeah. trying to elevate ourselves beyond everybody and everything else. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We're, we're, we're American. You know, we're, <laughs> right. we're the right. best. You know, we don't, we don't have to wear a mask, you know. Wasn't and, there uh, a, oh gosh, I can't remember what the TV show was. I feel like it might've been something called Newsweek or something. And one of the characters had a, he was doing a, a seminar and he was on stage and one of the students asked him, you know, how do, how do we keep America the best or, you know, how do we get back to? And he turns around and he goes, well, when, when were we the best, you know? <laughs> and he, he names, he's like, okay, so we're the number one in incarcerations and in military spending and, but everything else, like we lag in education, we lag in healthcare, we, 
fundamental things to making a society functioning. You yeah. know, keep those wheels going. Keep the, you know, we were so far behind. Yeah, yeah, there, there's a, a lot. I mean, there's a lot to be looked at and talked about there. Yeah, yeah. You know, we, we are a new country, which meant we had the opportunity of getting things right by looking at the past. You know, we're just a few hundred years old. Um, but, the, you know, the, the fact that the country was built, uh, the, I just look at the way it was built, was so wrong. Right that there's no way we can continue to stand as the number one force. You know, you can't stand on immoral grounds forever. Right. At some point, Rome falls. And as a country, we haven't dared to really look at that. Right. Um, and maybe we've looked at it, but we've swept it under the rug so that we don't have to solve it. No, we will. We will have to solve it. So you see it with racial issues, even though, you know, Black Lives Matter, as much as I love it, these are start with the Native Americans. Oh, this is a country, the big, since and, the inception, not just in 1776, you know, if this is since the day non-white people, or, I'm sorry, they white people decided to step on land here that started this day whole- day one. Yeah. Right, yeah. and those poor people barely have a voice anymore. At least the blacks have a voice. We can stand up, but the Native Americans, they're so weakened that the, the, the fight goes beyond black lives. Not that black lives isn't important. It is important, of course. You know, we are the ones that are getting killed by the, our authorities. You know, our, our lives is the current situation. So it needs to be dealt with, but it goes way beyond that. Oh, yeah. And it's at the pure foundation of our country. Well, I mean, how many instances are you hearing about with Native American uh, reservations of women going missing? And nothing's, nobody hears about it. Nothing, it's just, and, it's, and, and, right. More than that, the, it, it, when you hear about it, you got to think about how many hundreds you haven't heard about. It. Exactly. So even with Black Lives, now that people have cell phones, we start to hear about it. Right. But this has been forever. Yeah. You know, I know. Uh, stories from my parents and their their parents and my kids are growing up with it for their first time and I'm you know I'm showing them songs that I wrote on my records that came out before they were born talking about the same issues and until we really deal with it and I mean really deal with it to solve it these same issues are going to always need to be talked about oh yeah you know but we're at a place now where we can't ignore it Everybody's home, you know, we don't have time or, or we can't define ourselves or we can't hide behind what we do. But I'm a musician, but I can't do music right now. So what's left, it's who I am, right? Well, normally I can say, oh, I got a tour coming up. I, I saw the news, but I can't deal with it. I got a tour, I got this to do, I got work, I got school, I got, but now we can just look at it. And it's, it's attacking us. I shouldn't say attacking us, but it's the best word I can come up with at the moment. It's attacking us to our core. I, and, and, I, and as humans, we are caring beings. We really do care about each other. We act like we don't because I, I got to hold on to what I've got. So I have to act like I don't care about you, but I really do. 
And right now we're kind of forced to be who we are, not what we do. And all of a sudden we're finding out, I do care. I need to speak up. I need to march. I need to burn a building down maybe, you know, if they're not. I already tried the peaceful protest. And in many days, my, my mom says, you do what's right. Doesn't matter who sees you. Right? Even if you're wrong, you know you're wrong. Doesn't matter who sees you. You do what's right. And so you get a man, uh, uh, a remarkable football player who takes the advice of a, of a war vet to kneel the respectful way of a protest, to kneel at the anthem. Don't leave the field. Don't whatever. Just kneel. You're there. You're still there. You kneel. And he lost his gig. No one will hire him. But all of a sudden, now the world is listening. Right. Finally, that's the way to do it. Right. When one man who went against everyone had to be strong enough to do it. And this story has been played over and over and over. And it will continue to play until we solve this issue from the first day the Europeans arrived. That that, that's how far back we got to go. Oh, yeah. It's the root. It is literally the root cause. It's the foundation of this country is on blood of other people. Yeah. Let's go back to what you were just saying, because I'm kind of, I have a sort of a theory about this, which I wonder if, if you start to share, that because of all this time alone, like, again, keeping busy constantly before this, you know, allows people to not have to face themselves. You know, they don't think it's very easy to shut not only what's going on around them, but what's going on within them as well. Very easy to put up walls or, or block it or just, just ignore it. And I wonder if so many, I mean, I know a lot of people are having a hard time with this, not just because of the obvious reasons, but the psychological side of having so much time with yourself. And you haven't had so much time with yourself pretty much your whole life. Yeah. And I, a lot of people that I know are having a very difficult time because it's not even the the social distancing and, and and not being around people it's they're just with themselves but yeah so you, you have you know people who who have been able to avoid dealing with their own problems dealing with their own whatever it is mm-hmm. now have no choice because they are with themselves and sure. there aren't all these distractions and sure and, know, and the truth of the matter is is that we are never not with ourselves right that's, that's the, the truth, truth of it but we don't have to look at ourselves because we Right. So now, did I just freeze for a minute? Just a split second. Yeah. Okay. My camera went away and it froze. But we we don't have to really pay attention to ourselves because we can do things that are outside of ourselves. I can do work. I can pick up my base. I can get on the internet. I can, you know, find my Facebook friends, not my real ones but my Facebook friends and I can make comments and put up pictures. I can always do stuff that's outside of myself. And we're now, you know, what we normally do, whether it's just playing basketball or playing an instrument or making reports for work, that stuff is put aside. And we kind of have the time to really look at ourselves because we find ourselves sitting at home a lot. You know, I can't go downtown Nashville and hang out or go listen to my brother's play. So I have to deal with myself. But I'm very fortunate that my mom and dad, because I'm the youngest of five boys, 
And when we were born, our parents knew what we were facing or what we were probably facing, and they were right. And, you know, I hate to, you know, just bring up race over and over, but that's what no, it, it needs to be brought up. This, this Absolutely. Is... <laughs> our parents knew what five black boys were facing in the 50s and 60s. So I'm the youngest. I was born in early 60s, 64. So she knew that we were probably facing a, a country that wouldn't support us. So we had to know who we are, who we were. We had to know at all times, who, who are you? Not what do you do? Parents didn't care that we played music. We played sports too. They didn't care about that. It was who we were, who we are that they cared about. And to the point that my three older brothers, not, not Joseph and me, the youngest, the three older brothers had to learn to, well, we all had to learn to write really well. But my three older brothers had to write speeches, learn them, and enter into competitions and recite them. Now, I can remember that when I was a kid. I can remember hearing these speeches. I never had to do it. Didn't make sense to me. Right now, I get it a thousand percent because all my brothers can speak clearly, right? They know how to speak to that audience, how to speak to this audience. They know what to say. They know who they are and they speak confidently to the point where it can be mistaken for, for, for arrogance because we're so confident in ourselves, in ourselves. But at the same time, we know that we're not better than anyone else, right? But we know what our fingerprint means. I've got the only one in the world in the history of humans whether you keep before me or after, you don't have this one. And I know how special it is, but it's no better than yours. But at no time do I want yours over mine, right? And we learned this very, very young. So there were many times in grade school where our confidence was mistaken for disrespect or arrogance because our parents taught us, if you get hit in school, you have the right to hit back. Doesn't matter if it's a girl or not, you know? And I remember a girl hitting one of my brothers and he hit her back my brother got taken to the office and we got taken to the office quite a bit because we were confident. And, and you know, the teacher would say, well, I'm gonna call your mom. And we would say, no, we're gonna call her. I'll call her first. You know, and mom let us know if, if I get called to school, I'm coming on your side. She said, but you better make sure we, I stay there. Meaning if I got to come, you better be right. Yeah. Because I'm coming because I think you're right. I raised you, so I believe in you. But you better make sure you're right. My, my mom gets to the school and my son's in the office. And, and they say, well, what happened? They say, well, your son hit a, hit a girl. My mom said, did she hit him first? And they said, well, yeah. Oh, she said, then, my mom said, then where's the girl? Well, well, Miss Wooten, we, we don't let our kids hit girls. We don't let our boys hit girls. Well, I let mine. If she, my mom said, if she's big enough to hit, she's big enough to get hit. And my mom said, just like you, if you hit me, I'm going to do my best to knock you out. That's what she told the principal. Yeah. At that point, the principal's got to sit back and go, oh, this 
this woman means so they get the girl down there and they settle and then mom says again if you hit my son he's going to hit you back and he's more than likely going to hit you back harder than you hit him don't hit anybody right mm. and my mom says i'm taking my son home because he's too mad to stay i said but he'll she said but he'll be back tomorrow and there better not be a mark on his record and i want to see the books so we can make sure you know that's the parents we have so we knew, no, the system does not support us, but we support each other, right. right? And it was nice growing up like that. So I'm fortunate to still have three of my four brothers left, and I still have that support system. And even though my parents aren't here, I still know that I have their support. And you know, my, I think my biggest thing in life now where it used to be playing music it's now through music. I use it to get to people, but I want people to to, to see themselves that way. Mm. That you you know you, you don't have to fight to be better than someone else. You already have something no one else has, right? Which is your individuality. Right? What it what it took to become just to be here on Earth. The the what it took to be born means we already won. Right? The biggest contest, the biggest race, the biggest event we'll ever enter. We've already won. Yeah, you're here. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And no one can take that victory away. Someone might end your life, but it doesn't mean you weren't victorious already. Right. No one can take that away. So what are we really fighting for? We're fighting for something that's not real. Yeah. And I think the most amazing thing is that, you know, people feel like, well, you're taking my space. It's like, no, exactly what you said. You're the only one with that. I'm the only one with mine. It's there's room at the table for everyone and we just need to make a bigger table. It's, you know, it's interesting is one of the challenges that we've run into. Well, I find it in music to a degree because there's obviously you've got people that are super competitive that, you know, they just, they don't want to, my attitude is, and you seem very much like this too. Um, it's we help each other. You know, we're all in this together and it, I'm not competing with you. You don't sound like me. You don't, even if you do sound like me, you're still not me. We're still very different. We still do things differently. We're different people in the way that we interact with an audience, we're, how we play, how we, just, whatever it is, there might be just slight nuances, but it's always something that's different. And you are the only one that can bring your voice. And I mean, your collective, you know, who you are to the conversation and um, and, and the fact that we keep trying to, to silence all these voices or say you have to be something else or whatever, like we're, we're losing out on that incredible diversity, all these different opportunities for new things to be in this world because we're quieting down those voices or the, you know, it's like there's so much power that comes from each individual voice. And I, like, when I talk to kids, especially, I imagine, I mean, you must hear this too, when they talk about kids who say, I'm not creative. I've, I've been told I'm not creative. I'm like, that's, sorry, BS. Every person on this planet is creative. Right. Everybody has their own way of being creative. And that's what makes so much of what makes us incredible beings. We each have our own individual personalities, our own individual skills and interests. And that we bring so much just as ourselves to the table. And I think so many people are afraid of that and, and have a, ten, you know, and we've created a society that tells us, don't do that. You know, we sit there and we, we applaud the outliers to a degree. Um, but it's only within certain parameters to a degree. And we've created this world where 
you're not allowed to be you, or you shouldn't be you, or you should follow these very small, constricted confines of this is how you're supposed to live. And, um, and I think people are afraid to speak out, but they, they're not, and they are. Like, they are because of social media. Like, they can hide behind a, a computer <laughs> and say things they would never in a million years say to someone's face. Mm-hmm. And they have the safety of that anonymity. But when they're, like you said, when you've got time to yourself and you got to look in your own heart, you're not escaping. That's there. That's always with you wherever you go. Yeah. And when you have now time and you have to deal with it, you got to start listening to it. And that voice, if you've been pushing it aside, has been screaming, screaming, and you haven't heard it because you keep, you know, finding yeah. ways to mute it or, or, you know, overwhelm it with other stuff. And, uh... I can, your mom sounds like an awesome person, first of all. Like, I wish that, that's that's just fantastic. And I love that message because I just feel like it's so, so necessary. And especially now. Yeah. Um, and particularly with the Black Lives Matter, with, with anything with regards to race, with culture, with. Um, and we deal with the environmental stuff. It's the same thing. There's it, environmentalism, the whole movement has traditionally been a whole bunch of rich white dudes. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. this is a whole planet. We're all on it. Everybody's dealing with it. And the people who are the most adversely affected by this right now are poorer communities and people of color who are on the front lines, you know, communities that are um, closer to areas of higher instances of pollution. Of yeah. It's just, or, and they're not represented. They're not there. They're yeah. not in, and, and they and, have. Until, until it starts to affect them. everyone. Yeah. But it is. That's the thing. It is. Right but we're not seeing it so blatantly in right. ways that people I think can identify with. Sure, sure. And for, you know, like, I, you're one of several friends of mine who, you know, they have black teenagers and this is what their reality is every day of their life. So mm-hmm. they face it. So they're aware of it. And I had a conversation with friends of mine, white teenager kids. And they're like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm like, cause you don't have to stress out every time your child walks out the door. Right. You don't, I mean, yeah, you, there's the fear of maybe a drunk driver or whatever. When your child walks out that door, when you're a person of color, you face a whole different world. They face a whole different world. And yeah. that's w- what our problem is. It's, it's yeah. not the same world. It looks no, like totally it's the same not. world. <laughs> no, we're not living in the same world. No. No. I mean, you know, the lessons you have to grow up with, even as a female, are different than the lessons I have to grow up with. No. Right? I don't have to grow up with, 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 you know, people treating me sexually, like being sexually dominant over me in the workplace. Right? It's a different lesson for you. So, you know, it's not the same world. And it shouldn't be because we're all individual. But we should be aware of it. We should all be aware of it. And don't wait until it affects me to do something about it. Yeah. You know, the lessons that as a black man that I have to learn as a kid. And then different lessons when I start to learn to drive. If the police comes up, you pulled over, here's what you do. You know, these lessons that shouldn't shouldn't have to have to learn. And it goes on and on. The same with you, you know. And there's these are problems there shouldn't have to be laws about. Right. We're human beings. I thought we were the smartest beings. <laughs> you know. And and, and we <laughs> We are. We just don't do what we know. Right. You know, I don't know anybody that smokes that thinks it's good for them. Right. They all know. So knowledge isn't enough. Just knowing isn't enough. We have to act. And, and it takes, in many cases, too much for us 
to act. It has to come too close to home before I feel what you're going through or acknowledge what you're going through. Right. And everybody's level, it seems, is, if, if you'd think it would be, you know someone, like with this virus, you know someone who was sick. So you have a personal connection to someone who was sick or who died of it. Mm-hmm. You'd think that you would be more likely to take more precautions or be more aware. But I have seen that if it isn't the person, in some cases, that is actually the one, there's still this disconnect. And it is. It's a, but I think our dialogue in general, our discourse has just also just devolved to such an extent. And I don't know if a lot of that is the social media, um, the, again, being able to hide behind the laws and screens. Yeah. Um, I just find when you look at it, when you look at people and, and fundamentally, we all have the same needs. We want to take care of ourselves and our families. And, you know, we need food, shelter, water. Um, mm-hmm. Like there are, everybody's got the same fundamental needs. Mm-hmm. We're all fighting the same fight, so to speak. We're all on the same side in the big picture. And, and yet we're, we're like, people can't have conversations with each other about anything lately. Well, I mean, if you look at what is feeding us, right? Oh, well, yeah. You know, uh, it's not real. You know, news isn't real. Reality shows aren't real. You know, (laughs) in our country, I hate to say it, but it's just true. In our country, we celebrate horrible people. Yeah. Yeah. We make them famous. We give them TV shows. And then we call it reality. So what's feeding us? Everything bad for us is easy to get. Right. Right. The police can't find the drugs in the neighborhood, but I can. I don't even smoke drugs or do drugs. Never have. But if I wanted something, it's easy to find. How come the police can't all of a sudden? Why can I get a big thing of Coke cheaper than I can get a regular small bottle of water? Right. Why do I have to buy water in the first place? Yeah. Right? right. Why is... <laughs> Fast food more cheaper. cheaper than slow cooked food, natural food. Right. Things that are things that are bad for us are made easy. Yeah. We're spoon fed. They make it easy for us. It's on TV every night. The most popular game right now is is who can kill everybody else and be the last one standing. If you're that, then you win. And then we wonder why there's murders. We wonder why we kids have learned that to solve our problems, I got to get a gun and kill the teachers, right. right? Why do we think that's 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 strange when that's what we're being fed, right? Every show you can show as much violence on TV as you want, but you can't show a naked breast or a naked body. Right. So we're told that our bodies are horrible, but guns are okay. Mm-hmm. Right? So there's a lot from the outside that we're being fed. Yeah. And it doesn't surprise me that's what, that's what we regurgitate out. Right. Well, it's normal. What you eat, what you put in your body, in whatever right. capacity, is what you put out. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. If you have a steady diet, like you said, of horrible food, horrible entertainment. And yeah, like you said, we literally have spent decades celebrating the worst in humanity sure. putting giving it a platform right. not just giving it a platform but applauding for it you know it's like yeah why and i don't know if it's the misery cut loves company kind of thing or i'm sure it's a lot of stuff but uh, that maybe it's making people feel bad again maybe because we've separated we've become more and more 
separated from ourselves and who we are as individuals and, and have so many things to distract ourselves that it's just another opportunity to say, I'm better than that person or, sure. you know, and, uh, which that's, that's so sad. Well, well, again, we celebrate the people who have stuff, right? Right. We, but celebrate. we celebrate them for the right reason. Like the people who have, like, if you're amassing huge amounts of wealth and it's at the expense of everyone and everything, is that worth, should we be celebrating that? Right. But it's you know the almighty dollar. It's who's making whatever or. Well, we don't we don't celebrate who people are. Right. Right, regardless of what you have. Mm -hmm. Like we'll make stars out of people who do nothing. They just have stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, haven't really done anything for society. Yeah. But they have stuff. Yeah. And so we give them a TV show. Right. And so it, it doesn't make sense that, I mean, it makes complete sense, rather, that we, we uh, you know, end up acting the same way, right? Uh, we're, we're not encouraged to think for ourselves, right? We're told what to think and how to think, right? Um, TV shows don't ask questions, they tell you. This is what it is. The news tells you who this person is. This is a good person. This is a bad person. And they tell you in little snippets, right? So our attention span is short, right? Um, it, it, you know, it's, it's just the society is trained us to not think for ourselves, to worship all idols to pay attention to things that don't matter. And everything that we pay attention to is outside of ourselves. Yeah. Right. The ad industry. Say it again. I said the entire ad industry. Absolutely. Literally built on, you're not good enough the way you are. You need to go out and buy this. You need to have that. Why don't you own that? And if you look like that, you would, you know. Right. If you put this cream on your face, suddenly blah, blah, blah. It's like, right. yeah. And then all of a sudden, it, you know, you're not allowed you don't have to just be human. Just be a human. Right. Yeah. 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 So how, okay. So musician, you obviously, clearly, like a ridiculous musician. What, five-time, five-time Grammy winner? I mean, you know, nothing. Nothing to speak of. <laughs> um, so many incredible accolades in terms of as being a musician. And obviously you started out like, like out of the womb, basically. What, you were, two, were you two? Three? About two. two, yeah. But, yeah. Um, but you're also obviously an incredible naturalist. You have Wooten Woods, you have your camp, Vicks Camps. Mm -hmm. um, how do you think, because I, I, I do, but I'm curious as to what your perception is. And obviously, like we've talked about this, but just for this purpose of this platform too, um, in terms of finding ways to bridge these gaps with regards to this dialogue, with regards to where society has gone, where do you think the roles of things like music or the arts and, and nature fit into this? Yeah. Well, the cool thing is that people listen to musicians. <laughs> this is true. Right? If you play a show, the people are there to listen to you. I mean, that's, that's why they came. Mm -hmm. They didn't come to argue. They didn't show up because they don't like you. They're there 100% to give themselves to you. Speak to me. What do you want from me? Right? That's why an artist can say, hey, go buy my T-shirt and everyone will go do it. Like my brother Reggie says, if a policeman tells everyone to raise their hands in the air, 
or if a politician tells themselves to raise their hands in the air, you might get a few people to do it. But if a musician says everybody raise their hands in the air, they'll do it willingly. Right? So music has that power to move you without force. Right? And that's powerful. It's also scary for people who want that power. Oh, yeah. Right? So music is a great way to talk to people and in a way that they will listen. Right? And so that's what I've been doing is using music to speak to people, not to preach to people. Right? Because I don't really know what you should think. I just want you to think. I want to give you back to yourself. I want you to fall in love with yourself. And if you have to fall in love with me first, if you have to see me as great first, then do it. Because at least you're seeing a high level. Yeah. Right? And that's going to help you reach it fast. But that's what my camps are about, really. It's just about giving people back to themselves. And music gets them there. And you know, I, I, we teach you music, and you become better. Right. Right, but when people come to camp and they put themselves here and they put me up here, by the third day, we're here. Right, it's not that I lower, they rise up. And I've had multiple people tell me that, man, when I first got here, I was like, man, there goes Victor Wu. This is what a kid told me at our first camp in 2000, the last day, fighting back tears of a teenage boy, says, when I first got here, he says, I was like, wow, there goes Victor Wu. And at that last day, Kevin said, now I see everybody that way. Yeah. That was perfect. You've done your job. <laughs> that's it. A good musician, better musician, that's a byproduct. But that kid knows who he is and he knows who you are. Yeah. That's even, even cooler. That's what I want. You know, I just want people to really use what we have, you know, which is our uniqueness, our brains, our creative ability to think, knowing that I have something to offer, even if I don't know what it is, it's just there. And whatever I offer, good or bad, is as valid as what you are. Even if you're a Grammy, right? And you're just starting out, your offer is as good as mine, right? And I want people to see that and recognize that in themselves. But until they do, yeah, recognize it in me. Yes, I am great. I'll be the first to tell you that I'm great. Yeah, I bet I'll be the first to tell you I'm no greater than you. Right? No matter how good or bad you are, if somebody wants you on their record, I'm not good enough to be you. So we're equal. You know, and that's what the camps are about. That nature, nature is whatever we're trying to do, we're trying to do it naturally. To the point that if you're really good at something, I shall wait, you're a natural. That's the word we use, which means you are like nature. Nature doesn't have to try. Nature just does what it is. Right? A whole tree doesn't try to be a different type of tree. It's just doesn't. Does its thing. A beaver doesn't have to practice building dams. They just do it. Right? A, A bird doesn't have to go to Berkeley to learn to sing. Right? They don't measure their, their achievement of singing every day by how many awards they get, Grammy. They just sing because the sun came in. Right? Nature is the most natural thing on the planet. And in our quest to become natural at whatever we do, we may not realize it, but we're just saying that we're trying to be like nature. 
to the point that when we need a break, what do we do? I need a break from the office. What do I do? Do I go to another office? No, I go out to the beach. I go to the beach. I go to the mountains, the snow. I go on a walk through the woods. I come back to nature to find myself. So the camps that we do are in nature. We're just in the middle of the woods. We sleep there. We live there. Our bathhouse is there. Our kitchen is there. And nature does its job. Yeah. And But at the same time, we teach people a little bit more about nature. Because we've learned and been told to be afraid of it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And when you come to our camp, there are snakes there. There are wasps. There are ticks. There are bugs. But they lived there before we did. Right, but but uh, you know we had a man before he passed away on a motorcycle accident that would catch snakes and show them to everyone. You know, if if he caught them, he would show them to the whole class. You know, and, and we we help. We have nature instructors there who know about plants and know about poison ivy and and. and dandelion and the uses for these plants and they can even tell you not what bird what bird is singing but why the bird is singing what, what's the bird actually singing because right, our ancestors our grandmothers would always say well grandma how did you know that oh a little birdie told me you know <laughs> it's real the birds are always talking oh yeah we don't listen anymore right food comes from a fast food place grocery store food doesn't come from the ground what we are so disconnected. So we have a garden out there. People can learn about gardening. You know, nature is the most natural thing on the planet. But in music, they tell us to do the most unnatural thing to get better at. They tell us to lock ourselves in a room and practice. Right? You didn't learn to talk in a room practice. Right? You'd, you'd still have an accent if you did. Right? We learn to talk by talking to people. Right? Right? So in music classes, and this is a change of subject, but in music classes, I think we should spend more time playing with people. Less time practice. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I, my skills, any of my skills that I have, have been because I've been working with others. Because doing it in a vacuum by yourself, it's one, it's not all that inspiring. And two, it's hard to tell if you're really getting, improving. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just kind of depressing, to be honest. It totally, and, that's why most people quit. Yeah. And the energy that you get by feeding off of the people around you, it's... There's the, oh, I love what that person is doing, and I wanna, or I want to, I want to either learn that or I want to compliment that. Like they, it's, it's speaking to each other, but mm -hmm. in a different way. Sure, and if you learn that way soon enough, early enough, just like talking, right? There's no levels. Right. Okay. Baby doesn't think, oh, I'm not good enough to talk to that guy, or, or you're, you know, you've got a daughter and you don't say, hey, dot, hey, dot, girl, you, you know, you're not good enough to talk to me yet. Go practice, right? That's the way we treat musicians. Right. There's so many levels. There's no way. I'm, I'm a Grammy five times. There's no way I'm going to play with him. You know? That doesn't happen in talking. The baby's talking, or, or to use a musical term, jamming with the pros. Mm -hmm. And they're never treated like they don't know anything. That's awesome. Right? You're never corrected when you're a baby learning to talk. You can be 10-year-old carrying around a blankie. And guarantee your parents will say, here's your blankie. They'll say it wrong with you. Right? We don't say, oh, no, we'll practice. So there is a way to learn and teach. And we know what that way is. We just don't use it in the academic world. 
And I was told, I don't know if this is true, but I was told that 98 percent of people quit music lessons within two years of starting. I think I think that's about right. It's, I can believe it. Yeah. So I, mean, I remember reading something similar. Is music that hard? Uh, we're talking seven letters. Right? It's 26 in the English alphabet. Nobody ever quits. Okay. So seven letters, only 12 notes. And if you're a bass player like me, there's only a few rhythms I'll ever have to read. Right? It should be that easy. So why don't we quit? It may be that music's not that hard. It might be how we're teaching it. Mm. And I go to the latter. It's how we're teaching it that robs the joy out of it. Right. I came into music because I love it. It's fun. I just want to play. But then I'm told I got to learn all this stuff before I can have fun again. Well, oh, no, I'm going to go play video games. I was, I was one of those kids that I just, I always just played by ear. I started when I was six. We had a piano and my brothers were taking lessons. They didn't, they hated it. Yeah. And I just sat one down one day because I always loved music. I was singing when I was, I think before I was even talking. Of course. And, uh, sat down and said, okay, and just started playing. And my mom came home and she was all excited thinking it was my brother's practicing and she walks over and there's little me. And I'm like, hi, I learned a song. Yeah. <laughs> I was so excited. And, uh, and, I've, and I hate to say it, I wish, there is a part of me that wishes I knew a little more. Like I did study a little bit of theory, but not as much as I think I would have liked to because there's certain things that I'm like, I don't understand why this is like this. And I feel like if I did have, if I had studied, it would be easier to figure it out. Sure, there's a place for that. Right. It's not in the beginning. Right, but at the beginning, like I said, like I was able to just create, cultivate this absolute joy and love of it because I didn't have someone telling me you have to do this and you're not doing that right and you're not. I just did it and I loved it and yeah, that always kills me. That you know, I feel like we we educate the love out of things. Right. Kids don't want to practice. They want to do it. Yeah. And we make them practice. Right. Because we're on some competitive thing saying, well, you have to be better than this person or your team has to win and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, right. no, who, who, why? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Are your brothers still playing? Oh, uh, gosh, no. Um, well, there you go. Why one brother <laughs> still has a guitar, I don't know the last time he, and the other one was ended up doing drums, but they they stopped and yeah. he says in high school. Like, I think they graduated high school, went to college, and that was it. Like, they... Yeah. It was fun As a for kid, when you're made to have to do it, it's exactly what you don't want to do anymore. Yeah. 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 You have I think that's true with everything. I think that's true with me as a grown-up. Of course. <laughs> of course. Because we're still kids. Oh, yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Right? I, I'm 55. You know, 20 years from now, when I'm 75, I'll realize I was still a kid at 55. Mm -hmm. Right? <laughs> yeah, so we're still kids, and I still don't like to practice. Yeah. You know, and I know that I need to, so I find ways of making my practice plain, right? As good as you've gotten at English, you don't practice it. No, right. You do it. You just do it. You know, you might learn a new word, a new adjective. You may practice it a little. Even if you're learning another language, you'll say the new word in another language. You'll say it a couple of times, three times tops. Then you start using it. Right. Never do you sit down and say this word over and over. Nobody sits around and practices the alphabet. When's the last time you said it? But they're still telling us to play scales. You know? Isn't that the, the way that they, like, when you talk about language and teaching kids language, anyone learning language, the best thing you can do is just go to where the language is spoken. This is like music. Go where the musicians are. 
That's go, it. Like, immerse yourself in it. Surround yourself by it. It's, you study sure. by, you know, listening, seeing, you know, doing with your, you know, it's, it's that, conne that visceral connection on so many different levels that mm -hmm. you just don't get when someone's preaching at you with a book or you're a, 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 you know. Yeah. And the interesting thing that is the process is really simple when you do it. And that's the natural process. Right. Learning a baby learning to walk. You, know, you don't get them practice. Yeah. You don't want the instruction. You got to put your foot here. You got to balance. Find that center point. You know. You just let them do it, and they fall. They fall. Yeah. And then they you get just back laugh up. with them. And you know, kids will fall on purpose because they know you'll laugh. We never curse at them because they fell. We never slap their hand. We just know they'll get it. Yeah, I wonder when it is that that change. I know there's something about I think like around six or seven years old when there's a dynamic that changes, but. I wonder when it actually is that we sort of start, stop celebrating and start criticizing. Yeah, at first we celebrate a child's effort. Right. Okay, not the outcome, right? When, if, if you're two years old and you go and hit a note on the piano, your parents go a party. Right. Not because what you played was right, but because you play. But right around school age, where we have to start learning the lessons. Now we have to get the lessons right. Yeah. Because they're still at that way. Mm -hmm. Right? Before you can read, if you're two years old and you're picking up a book and you're just saying stuff, even if it's wrong, wow, that's a good thing. But as soon as now the lesson is to learn to read, now we have to be right. It's hard to keep that same mentality of just let them keep doing it. Praise them. Let them keep doing And they'll learn on their own. If they have good example. Right? They have The kid has to have the example. In other words, the child needs to see you walk. The child needs to hear you talking correctly. The rest is easy. They just have to be free to do it also. Not overcorrected. Or, or in many cases, not even corrected at all. Zero. Right? They need to have that freedom. They, they don't need to know that they're a beginner, right? When we're learning to walk, when we're learning to talk, no one makes you feel like you're a beginner, right? You're in the conversation too, right? So you're basically it's freedom and it's the freedom to fail, right? As soon as we start doing it with the fear of doing it right, we start to downfall. We start attaching it to the outcome. So when there actually becomes love, no, that's the wrong word. Anybody that begins anything is going to do it wrong more than they do it right. Mm -hmm. So if you start hearing every time you're wrong, you're going to start hearing that you're wrong more than you're right. And who wants to be wrong in front of people they love? Right? In front of their heroes, their parents, their siblings, their brothers. No. So I'm, I'm fearful to even try because I might be wrong. Right. And so when that starts, the love of what we do starts to diminish. Right. So how we balance that, knowing that the way our curriculums work are geared towards being right, not wrong. How do we balance that is the key. Yeah. 
right? And it's a tough one when you have to pass tests to get to the next level. You have to do so well in this level. Right. When we're judging each other by the outcome, not the input, it, it gets a little funny, right? But in the beginning, everything is about what you put into it, not what comes out. Right. And so much has to do with how it's, you know, when you present stuff, if you present it in, I feel like, an interactive way. One, I, I, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but I've seen it with kids that I've worked with. I imagine you've seen it with kids, people at the camp and, and people you've worked with in general and probably your own kids, even probably yourself, that when you're hands-on doing it, suddenly light bulbs start going off. Every and learn it's enjoyable, too, because you're like, there's something about being, doing that makes you feel invested in something. Mm -hmm. um, and when you're, instead of learning the theory behind something and you can't, like, I, I need to be able to apply it. Like, don't tell me something, show me. I am the person who has to pee on the electric fence to know the electric fence is an electric fence. <laughs> you know, it's like, I need, like, I want to do it. I want to, like, or even if you're going to tell me, then immediately let's put it to work. Because yeah. all this stuff that's in my head, I'm like, well, this, that's great, but what am I going to do with algebra? Like, I... I want I want a purpose for it, and we all have, we, we all want a purpose. We all want a reason for what we're doing, and you know, just to sit there and cram information in our head that we're not going. It's not going anywhere. I think what what's the point? And I feel like that takes so much. I mean, as human beings, we are natural. We're naturally curious. We love to learn. It is a natural. Everyone who's like oh, I hated school. It's like that doesn't change the fact that you as a human have a, you love to learn. Right. Nobody doesn't like to learn something new. Exactly. Um, it might be hard, you know, not knowing something and then, but because of, I think of exactly what you're saying, which is we're so attached to the outcome and the, the failure, like, oh, mm -hmm. well, you didn't do it right. Or, or, you know, you're not getting this right away. And this one got it faster than you like, well, who the hell cares? It's, right. you have to do it to get it. And when you've, you know, detached yourself from what that outcome is and what everyone else around you is doing and how they're doing it, the joy comes back to it because you're like, I'm doing it my way. I'm, I'm getting this. I'm figuring this out. And I'm also doing it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, teachers need to, like a parent who has multiple kids, we learn each of them individually. Mm -hmm. And we'll know that this child learns this way. This one learns this way. I think teachers should be taught that, yeah. that ability to as quickly as possible, assess how a student needs to learn. Because teachers, we are more interested in how we teach, more interested in that, where we should be more interested in and we'll pay more attention to how the student needs to learn. Because my method of teaching may not work. And it may be that I need to send the student to a different teacher. But if we were trained in multiple ways of teaching, multiple ways of giving this information, then like a good jazz musician, we could adapt on the spot. Right. And that's to me the missing link in most teachers. Now there are teachers out there who are good at that. I had an English teacher who, I had to do a book report and she let me do a musical book report. Instead of writing a bunch of pages and typing it out, I was able to, to do, to, to, to tell about the story through music. Of course I got a good grade. Of course I'll never forget it, you know? And of course the students loved it. Yeah. 
and you know, and the book was was Lord of the Flies, which was a popular book at the time. These kids were shipwrecked on an island, and all these, you know, you know, all this kind of stuff, and these rivalries. And I was able to use a lot of music from Stevie Wonder's Secret Life of Plants, and I had three cassette recorders. Side of the room, one was in the center and one was on the right. And I had three cassettes, and I had the students. We all pressed them at the same time. And you heard this plane start on one side of the room, go across the room, and crash on this side. And then you hear the kids, and then you hear uh, the flies that that Stevie used on his record were like the bees. Uh, um, no, there were bees, I think, on Stevie's record, but I used them as the sound of the flies and the. And man, it was so much fun. I was still proud of it. I got a great grade because the teacher let me do it in my way. Yeah, spoke your language. Rather than, I still did a report. She was smart. The idea was to tell me about the book, right? And if I speak Spanish, then I should be able to tell it in Spanish. But she knew I spoke music. So I told about the story in music and enjoyed it, right? And because of that, I can, I'm better at that today yep. as my career is to tell stories in music. So I have an English teacher who helped me get good at that. To me, that teacher, only wow. teaching the way she knew how to teach, might have had me back, might have. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it, takes a, it takes a certain person to be able to circumvent having someone teach them in a way that they can't. Right. You know, that's sure. so much extra effort and just misery. But it's, yeah, it's being able to speak in your language to connect, connect to something in your language and something that speaks to you because then you can speak to someone else in a way that they can connect with, you know? And the joy, too, the natural joy that you bring to something when you can use who you are mm -hmm. to present it, to mm -hmm. take whatever it is that you've learned and say, I'm going to share this with you. Like, I'm going to use who I am and this one person that is me. And, and this is my one way of seeing it because this is who I, like, this is how I, this is how I roll. And, and, and the joy that you bring to that, like the, when you're interpreting music, when you're interpreting a book, whatever it is, how you present it, it's, it's so much more powerful. And for the, for the audience, for you, you know, all of it, the connection with it too, the, you know, yeah. Yeah. And the, and the teacher recognized who I was. Right which would make me more willing to recognize who she is. Hmm. So the next book report, she said, okay, Victor, I need you to write this one out. I'm more willing, you know, because she recognized me, I'd be more willing to say, okay, I'll write this one out. Right. You know, but, um, you know, and again, you know, not to come down on teachers, you know, they make hardly any money. Um, they don't ever, probably ever get rewarded for what they really do. You know, um, and it doesn't really take a whole lot of training to become a, a teacher, right? They don't, they don't get the complete training I think they need. This is just me talking. What I think they should learn how to figure out quickly how a student learns. Right. You know, um, they should, under teachers, well, I won't even go into that, but I don't think that teachers could become more complete if the, edu if the education, if they had the education going into it. And we're paid. Yeah, well. For what they were. That's the thing. I think all the time. I'm like, I I love kids. I don't have any kids. Maybe that's why I love them. I don't know. <laughs> but I don't I don't have any kids. But I do know that if I were in a room with 30 kids five days a week, for eight hours a day, I that to me is a saint. Like give them a halo, and I I couldn't do it. I don't. I love 
kids for short periods of time and I'll teach like for an hour with a group and then after that I'm like oh my god I need a, I need a nap yeah. you know they're amazing but it's a lot because it's it's constant and, it, and that's a that's a straining job on so many levels because yeah. you're constantly with different personalities you're at different levels too because your kids might not have such an understanding because they're kids you know a little kid is not going to understand how something works simply because they're a little kid they right. just don't know and so you're constantly having to learn to speak to people from all ages and backgrounds. You're dealing with the parents, you're dealing with the school systems, you're dealing with... It's like you're a babysitter and an educator and a psychiatrist and an end and end and end and end, all rolled into one, and everybody is totally ungrateful for it. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like we are, our education is one of the most important things about who we are as human beings, like developing as human beings, as a society. And yet we put so little value on it, financially, um, soci just societal. Like we, I think about what we pay, like it's reality television, or you know, celebrities from reality television. They're making a buku dollars to show up for yeah. no reason other than they just show up, and somebody happens to be wealthy to begin with. Whereas these guys that are slugging it out in a classroom, and that's not to say that teaching is horrible, but it's it's hard work. Yeah. Even if you love it, it's still hard work. And yeah. uh yeah, we're not we're not even coming close to compensating. They're out there who just are rich. So they're famous. Yeah. Or or because their parents were rich. Right. You know? And and they're famous, they get T V shows, making more money that they don't need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Interesting society. I think we could we could improve on it a lot. Yeah. Well, let's let's hope that this 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 pause, this deep breath, when we come out the other side and start exhaling, that we start really reevaluating and, and putting some changes in place. Absolutely, and I'm I'm kind of happy that the pause is taking longer than we thought. Yeah. Because I think if it, if it just went up, you know, a month or two, we would go right back to normal. Oh, agreed. Agreed. I feel like and it would have just been like a blip, and then. Everything the same. Exactly. And that's exactly what happened in, in most cities who just opened back up after a month or two. They opened their stores back up and all of a sudden the COVID cases went sky high and now we have to close again. But uh, we really need the time to let this sink in. Yeah. We need to let this sink in really, really well so that we don't come back to normal. Right? Because normal got us to this place. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. let's not do the repeat. Right, right. We need to make sure that we come back better than we Right. And we won't do it by sweeping it under the rug. We won't do it by not talking about um, um, uh, what's the word? Um, disturbing things. We gotta talk about it. Gotta rock that boat. Yeah. You know, we, we have to deal with this face-to-face not computer to computer, you know, not, not Facebook messenger to Facebook messenger, you know, right. we need to really deal with this stuff. And as we see, it, it's not going to happen from the top down. It has to start from the bottom up. Right. In many cases, these big protests and marches were organized by teenagers, by in many cases, young women, at least in Nashville. That's what oh, yeah. What was it, four girls? They were yeah. kicking ass and taking names. <laughs> That's right. That's where it's got to come from. 
you know it, 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 it the water has to start to boil before the water comes becomes clean yeah right a slingshot has to pull backwards before it shoots forward so in many cases to become stronger we, we we have to get broken down oh yeah well to build a stronger foundation we've got to break apart what's already there and, and start start over from the know? ground up yeah and, and I again think that hopefully that's what we're well, let's all hope. I mean, this is, it's not even, the thing that's kind of amazing, it is it's truly, it's a global, it's a global, I mean, clearly a national on so many levels. Yeah. It's also a global pause, and it's been really interesting to see yeah. the changes in, in how countries have dealt with it. And then sure. also within our own country, all those cracks that we've been silly puttying over or whatever, then now all of a sudden are starting to not just cr- like break open more, but walls are coming down. And us realizing that we have not dealt with these problems, we have continued to, like you said, push it under the rug. Everything's fine. Nothing to see here. You know, everyone else is the problem or blah, 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 or it's this or it's, it's no, 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 it's us. It's us. Right. right. And, that, and that's the key is, is dealing with the problem as an individual, mm-hmm. you know, because I can only do my part anyway right. and hopefully influence you to do yours. Right. And it's not, I don't know that it's really for me to say what your part is. But I just want you to look at it. I want people to look at it all, figure out where, where you stand within it all, because we're all a part of it. And you can't do anything unless you start it. You've got you to acknowledge there's a problem there in the first place before you can even start to do anything about it. And each individual yeah. has to look at their own role in it right. and, uh, and what they can do to help it, you know, to fix or to, to rebuild, you know, as, the, as yeah. the case may be. So and there's, I, there's this Hawaiian doctor who has this whole uh, practice uh, mentality way of life called Ho'oponopono. And he's a Hawaiian doctor. And um, he says, you notice that whenever you see a problem in the world, you're there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he says, and his thing, he goes far, you know, it goes to that whole thing that even Michael Jackson wrote about. If you want to change the world, change first change yourself yeah so this doctor says there are no problems in the world there's problems with you Mm. because we see everything from inside we experience it right through our senses our eyes our touch our smell our ears it's all here but what we see comes from here you know and so you know this whole pandemic thing i you know what i see as a problem really excites me i see it as a grand opportunity that the country the world has needed i agree because COVID doesn't care who you voted for right your culture your skin what your religion is how much money you make right it doesn't care and when problems affect all of us then things kind of start to get done Right, they made gun laws when to, to, to go straight to it when the Black Panthers. Oh, we know oh, where the NRA came from. Oh, we, we can have guns, okay. All right, all of a sudden, they were as armed as the other, or maybe even more armed than the KKK. Okay, we got to make some laws, right? Right, when rap music wasn't only for black people in the ghetto. All of a sudden, now we got to put some 
some uh, censor. We got to put these warning on records and all that kind of stuff, you know. And COVID is like the same way. Hold on, my dog is trying to get in. Oh, <laughs> Hey, you. No. Mom. <laughs> yeah. So, you know. But um, when we. Nala. Oh. They must have let her in upstairs. But um, when we can start to see others as ourselves, then what affects you affects me. And it does. But when I can see it, then I don't have to wait until the problem enters my house before I'm willing to do something about it. And that's what I'm happy to, to be seeing all around the world right now, uh, mostly with Black Lives Matter, um, because Black Lives Matter is now entering into, into white households, which is a beautiful thing, because that's what it's going to take to solve the issue. Right? Native Americans can't fix their issue by themselves. It's our problem. It's our issue to fix. Yeah. Right? Black Lives Matter isn't a black problem. <laughs> you know, right? Gender issues, you know, uh, um, you know, injustice against females. It's not your problem to fix. You know, it's men's problem to fix. So when it starts, when, when I can see your hurt, the problem against you, and I start to see it and, and, and can do something about it. That's when we have the opportunity to fix it. And right now, we are all kind of forced to look at it all. And so you see a lot of water starting to boil. Yeah. Gender justice with LBGTQ, you know, all of this stuff, black lives, race, politics has been crazier than ever. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, I think good things can come out of it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I agree. I, I mean, in a weird, bizarre way, as much as obviously there's terrible things that have come out of this and a lot of tragedy, I see it as a positive as well. I see it as an opportunity for, for that great reset that we so desperately, I think, need. Like mm. you said, it's just so many issues that we have just been able to get away with avoiding and... And, and a lot of people who have been able to separate themselves and, and not see, you know, monkey see, monkey like, you know, the whole monkey, whatever, eyes, ears, mouth, all that, just, it's not there. It's not there. It's not my problem. I don't see it. It's not happening to me. So it's clearly not happening. And now it is. Yes, it is. <laughs> and everybody is now a part of it. And they are now feeling the, like, the, the flames of that fire and yeah. the boiling water. And, and so it's... Um, I think people have been, and it's amazing to see people collectively coming together in in big ways, which I think is fantastic and yeah. uh, and yeah. inspiring, and and yeah, makes me very hopeful for the future. I agree, I agree, and it's been happening in music for a long time. Yeah, you know, because music, a band's better when all the instruments are different, not the same. Right. So in music, we recognize our differences. We not only recognize but celebrate them. When I'm a bass player, I, I know I'm not a clarinet. I know I'm not a trumpet. I'm not trying to be. You know, I'm, I just want to be the best bass I can be right. for you. You know, my whole goal is to help, help you. That's the that's the role of the instrument, right? Right. We tune before we play. That's an agreement that we make before we even start. Right. We agree. 
Right. You know, so there's a lot of qualities to music that can be used in life. But a lot of the times in life, we start as separate. Yeah. And we're just working to see if we can find an agreement. And we see that in politics all the time. They don't start together. It's not even the goal. The yeah, goal is plenty. Completely apart, yeah. You know? Yeah. I did a, I did a TV show for uh, um, uh, a politician. Uh, or I should say maybe ex-politician who has a TV show and he plays bass. And, uh, and I don't like him. You know, I don't like his politics, but I like him. Great guy. I see him at music conventions and stuff walking around. He had me on his show. First time he had me there to play Amazing Grace, which was great. Second time, I forget, I did play something by myself, but we also played um, What's Going On, oh, Marvin yeah. Gaye. And it was nice. It was really, really nice. Both of us played bass in his band. And then I, I had to sit through the show. And the show was off because it was polarizing. It was about us and our opponents. Right. One party against the other. And I'm like, well, if they're opponents, that's letting me know you even know you're treating it as a game. Right? Or someone's got to win, which means somebody's got to lose. And who's losing is the people. And it was making fun of these people and all this stuff. And and I, I don't know why I haven't done it, but I've been toying with the thought of just writing this man a letter. Because we know each other. We know each other as, as humans and as bass players. But, you know, my thought is that, you know, I, I came on your show and we played bass together. We didn't treat it as a game, as a competition. Because if it was a competition, I would I could have made sure you lost, but it didn't even enter our mind. We know that when we play music, it's not about who wins. If anyone wins, we all win. Right. Right. And I'm thinking, man, you are a musician and a politician. You are the one who could change this whole thing. You know, don't play that, that dirty game. Play the musical game where we all play together and recognize our differences, you know? And for whatever reason, I never wrote that letter. And I, I still might do it. I would do it because you know what? You are that connection. You are that connection. You are a direct connection to someone to speak to him, to say, we know each other, you know? We. And, and the good thing about it is I know he would listen. Yeah. The bad thing about it is I don't think he would do anything about it. Because to do anything would, would make him lose the show you know, probably lose face with a lot of people in his party, political party or whatever. But as my mom would say, I'm telling you this not because you're gonna like it, but because you need to hear it. <laughs> yeah, well, and so. that's the thing is that even if, you never know. I mean, he might not do a lot, he might not do anything, but he might do something. Right. And each step is, right. is what you need. It starts nowhere without one little step. Right, and the thing is I need to do what I know that I should do. Right. And then let it go. It's not, I, I can't make someone else do what I want them to do. So anyway, that letter will probably still get written. Well, I would I would definitely do it. I think that's a great idea. Yeah. I think, and again, it goes back to the whole communicating and finding the connection, the personal connection to things. You care about it if you if you feel that personal connection. Yeah. Um, and you are. You are a personal connection. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I do not want to take any more of your time. And 
I'm with people who are sitting here knocking on the door, wait, like looking at me, like, "What are you doing?" <laughs> um, this has been amazing. It is so nice to just see your face, hear you speak. I, you are always so inspirational for this. This is a person. Just, I love your outlook on everything. I love your energy. I love. I just, yeah, your passion for things and and the fact that you are. You are. You want to have these conversations. That you, you, you know, you actively are working for things to happen, and you embrace the good and the bad, and see the bad as good. You know, it's it's the opportunity. opportunity. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So. Well, awesome. thanks for the opportunity to speak. I appreciate it. Oh no, please. I mean, honestly, it's pleasure is mine. Um, go get your dog. Do what you need to do, uh, and we will hopefully catch up again soon. But take care of yourself and uh, keep fighting the good fight, my friend. You do the same. Thank you. Take care. You too. Bye. Thanks so much for tuning in and joining us today. If you want to learn more about Victor and his incredible work, please head over to www.victorwooten.com where you can find information about his camps, about Wooten Woods, as well as his merchandise, including the book, The Music Lesson, A Spiritual Search for Growth Through Music. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on with the series, visit lateshiftmedia.com where you can find additional information about the guests, the work they're doing, and any cool links they recommend you check out. Late Shift Media is also where you can go to find out about upcoming episodes and future guests and where you can sign up to stay up to date with the series. Again, it's lateshiftmedia.com. Thanks so much for tuning in and I hope you have an amazing day.